Ladies, have you ever struggled to find clothes you love or that fit a specific purpose? And in a moment of frustration, you've thought, oh, the heck with it. I should just start my own clothing line. And then you remembered that you're not a celebrity with connections and you have no idea how you'd actually start that clothing line. So you just gave up. Trust me, I have been there more than a few times. Today's guest, however, didn't give up. She had the idea that she should start her own clothing line and she made it happen. We're going to talk with her about her light bulb moment, how she got started, where her clothing line is now, and some bumps along the way because this has been an interesting year, my friends. So today we have Joanne Jarrett with us. Joanne is a family physician on her 17th year of maternity leave. I don't think you can call it maternity leave anymore, Joanne. She hosts the Fancy Free Podcast, where she and her guests share their most embarrassing, funny stories so they and the listeners all feel less alone in their imperfection. And as someone who is always looking to be super cozy at home, amen, she designed a line of street legal pajamas so we can be comfy and confident even after we have had it with the bra for the day. She and her husband also run a mobile endodontics practice together, so she is also a reluctant office manager and a part-time dental assistant. They have two teenage daughters and live in rural Montana. Hi, Joanne. Welcome to the Style School. Hi, Jen. I'm so excited to be with you today. I'm so excited to have you. But first of all, girl, that is a lot of jobs you've got. How do you keep track of them all? My daughter's like, mom, it's like you have three or four jobs, but it also really just feels like you're a stay-at-home mom. I don't. I like to juggle hats and cram them all on my head at various times during the day. I don't know. It's crazy. That's really crazy. So mobile endodontics, and we're not going to get mired in root canals here for anybody who is squeamish (laughs) about that stuff because Lord knows I am. But like, what does that mean? Like you can come give me a a root canal at my house? I mean, obviously not my house because you're kind (laughs) of far, but what does that mean? (laughs) We go to dental offices in rural areas in Montana so that the patients who go there for their general dentistry can come there for the root canal instead of wasting the whole day and traveling into the city. We have big land up here in Montana and everything's spread far apart and we have lots of inclement weather for travel. So instead of having the patients travel into Missoula, Scott and I pack up the truck and we go to Plains, Montana every Monday and we go to these different little places and we provide root canal services and we just take all of our equipment with us. Well, as somebody who has had that done this year already... Thank you for making that part of life easier on people. That is a wonderful (laughs) service you are providing. Little bummed out that I can't just have you come to my house and do it. (laughs) (laughs) You you could come to my house though, because we have a mobile unit and we actually can, we have a a converted toy hauler trailer that is a two operatory dental office that we can take with us should the dental office not have room for us. But we don't have to use it very often. So mostly it's just a base of, op- of operations. But we have had friends and family come over for root canal. So Jen, next time you need a root canal, pay for your plane ticket and come here and you can visit me and I'll do your root canal. And then, you know, it'll still be cheaper in the end and it'll be fun. Okay. So we can like design a clothing line together and then you'll do a root canal for me. <laughs> Amen, sister. <laughs> yep. That's like the weirdest girl Saturday night. <laughs> Most people are like, let's do a face mask. 
And you're like, let's do a root canal. <laughs> when you need one, you need one though. <laughs> so <laughs> exactly, exactly. So we actually connected for the first time last year when okay. I was on your podcast called Fancy Free. And I shared some of my most embarrassing moments. Ladies, if you have not listened to this episode, you should. It's an absolute hoot. We had a lot of fun. We will put the link in the show notes. But I actually, I think about this episode a lot because on your show, I shared some of my more traumatic experiences with birds. And then, do you remember that? Oh, heck yeah. And then I shared how much I really love bird watching. And sometimes I'll be driving to my favorite bird supply store. Yes, I have a favorite, meaning there is more than one that I go to. And I'll be I'll just think about how it never occurred to me that this is a strange hobby considering my victim status until you pointed it out. It never crossed my mind like, wait a minute, maybe I shouldn't love birds quite so much. It was a weird little light bulb moment for you. Well, it's funny. It was a little, yeah. I was on a walk the other day and I saw a bird that I'd never seen before, this giant bird. And I totally thought of you. I was like, Jen would totally know what bird that was. We figured out it was a blue heron. But I mean, I'm from the desert Ooh. where there's not much of anything in Reno, Nevada. So it was gorgeous. I took a picture of it. I'll send it to you. Okay. Yeah. I'm like that app where if you see like a plant and you're like, Hey, what, what is that? You just take a picture of it and it'll tell you I'm like that for birds. Oh my gosh. I should have texted it to you weeks ago. My daughter and I were doing all kinds of Googling. And it's gotten so crazy, Joanne, that I can identify them. Like I'll hear a bird outside my window and I'll be like, Oh, the blue jay's back. And I'll go and there's the blue jay. And I can identify, I don't know, like five or six different birds now just by their calls. This is, it's become, it's become a thing. I actually joined a backyard birding group on next door. <laughs> oh, I love it. Do you rush to each other's houses when you have rare birds in the backyard? <laughs> no, we just post about them. But I find myself like really jealous of these people. I'm like, dang, how did he get all the good wood woodpeckers? And I will go, I'll like try different kinds of food. Yeah. I oh bought a, gosh, a separate so tray for the Blue Jays because they they're really big. Blue jays are big if, if people don't know. Um and they don't they they like a kind of a comfortable platform feeder, so I had to buy a bigger one just for the blue jays. But then I get <laughs> mad at them because they're so mean and aggressive and they chase all the other birds away. You're like stay in your own tray. Don't I know. ruin it for everybody it's your else. Your tray blue jay. Okay, so we are not here to talk about oh birds gosh. today. <laughs> but that's that, the victim tangent. becomes the master. That's another thing to like <laughs> chew on in your head. head. It's like how I used my pain for, you know, to, to break through. <laughs> they will not win. And now people are like, what happened to her with birds? You have to listen. All I'm going to say, people, is my third date, the day after I got married, lots of experiences with birds. You have to go listen to the episode. Again, we're going to, we're going to link it in the show notes. But we are here to talk about your clothing Thanks. line and how you started it, because that is just so Cool. It's amazing. So tell us a little bit about who you are and kind of your light bulb moment to say, I should do this. Yeah, sure. So I am a family physician by training, but I only worked until we had kids. And that was never the plan. But, you know, life has its way of just, you know, happening the way it happens. And I've been really happy being home with my kids. But I have this huge creative side that was sort of repressed all during school and training. And I kind of pulled it back out when I had a little bit more time when my kids were in school all day. So I started sewing a little bit. And parallel to that, I also really love feeling physically cozy when I'm home. But I also really like to be presentable all the time mm -hmm. because 
you know, your doorbell rings or yeah. your kids bring friends home or, you know, there's a sleepover and you don't want to stay in your jeans and belt and underwire bra until all the kids go to bed. So I started wearing shelf bra tanks in the summer with just jammy pants or whatever on the bottom. But in the winter, it would always drive me crazy because I'd want to layer the shelf bra tank under, you know, like a shirt nightgown or um, just a sweatshirt or whatever. And it just was never as comfortable. So and every year I would Google shelf bra pajamas and think, come on, people. And all, all that would come up was slinky lingerie or shelf bra tanks, which, <laughs> duh, those already exist. But I'm wanting something yeah. a little different. And when I came up with the idea, I literally found one thing. It took like four weeks to come from China and it was dinky and the cups and the shelf bra were super bulky. So it was not what I was after. I was after something that was super cozy. And so I decided I'm going to make myself one. I'm just going to make a night shirt with a shelf bra in it. And I went to town. I made a prototype. The first one was super ugly and I was like, oh, I'm super discouraged. But then the second one was really good. And I love combining prints and different patterns. And I definitely always wanted my phone with me because I'm addicted to podcasts and I'm doing like laundry and dishes and cleaning. And I'm always dragging my phone and leaving it and losing it. And then my headphones disconnect and it's the whole thing. So I also put a phone pocket on this night, this, these pajamas. And then I decided, hey, if I want this, I think maybe other people might want it too. Let me see if if I can make this a brand. And so it was one of those things where I thought about it and I thought about it. Every day I would wake up thinking about it and I would have more ideas and I would get more and more excited. And pretty soon I was like, I have to figure out how to do this. At the same time, I was training for a half marathon and it was back in 2017 when podcasts weren't quite so ubiquitous. And Mm -hmm. I was listening to a podcast called Side Hustle School. And there was a woman on there that had a similar experience. She bought the same bra in India that she loved. And when she moved to the States, she couldn't find one that was similar. So she decided to go about manufacturing this bra and selling it. Well, she was a graphic designer. She had no fashion background. And what she had done is taken an apparel production course. And then she knew how to go about creating this bra and selling it. And she was to the point where she had funded her her son's college fund oh, wow. with the proceeds from this business. And I was like, I think if she can do it, I probably can do too. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give this a shot. So that's 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 where I started. So did you take a, a class or a course? I wanted to take a class in person, but I couldn't find one. I was okay. in Reno, Nevada. She must have been in a metro area. And I actually emailed the podcast host and said, hey, could you tell me where what class she took or where she took it? And he said, I don't know, but you can try to get in touch with her personally. And I tried and I and I, I we, we were not able to connect. But I was able to find an online course called the New Designer Program with Jane Hamill. She's still one of my favorite mentors. In fact, I just interviewed her for my show and I'm going to be on hers. But she She had this class that took you through from conception of idea to what you need to do, you know, first, second, third, all of the different businesses that you need to know about fabric vendors, pattern makers, content marketing, so that when you have something to sell, you have someone to tell all of this. And I ate it up like my favorite dessert. If I could have pushed pause on life and taken this class all in one long binge, I would have but I couldn't. So it took me a while to take it, but I, I made a notebook. I was so serious. I took notes. She had all these forms to print out. And by the end of this course, I was like, okay, I think I know what to do. So 
that was incredible. And that got me off on the right foot. And then I actually went to a conference that it's in all different parts of the country several times a year called the DG Expo. And it is a conference specifically for people who want to start a fashion line, but don't have a fashion background. And they have amazing lectures. They have fabric vendors. They have Mm -hmm. all just different kind of um, specialists that will help out with pattern making, et cetera. And it was an excellent, excellent place to go. It is where I met um, Jane in person, actually, after I had taken her class and I fangirled all over her. It was so fun. Well, that's exciting. <laughs> I bet. You know what I love about that, though? We have the entirety of knowledge at our fingertips, right? And even if you don't know where to start with something, you can find the answer or you can find a course or you can find a conference or you can find yes. whatever. Like gone are the days where it's like, geez, I'd really love to start this clothing line, but I don't know how. Oh, well, give up. Go to the library, get overwhelmed and quit. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Check out a book. Uh, it's amazing that you can figure out anything out now. I love that. I love that about the internet. I mean, I know the internet is used for a lot of really negative things, but you can find anything and you can figure anything out and learn anything. Um, yeah, that was, that was, here's the thing. We know how to learn. We just have to find out how to learn the things that we don't know yet. Right. But we do know how to learn and we can put that into practice. So if you find the resources that are right for what you want to do, you can do it. So did you, did you do anything like proof of concept? Did you sell? Did you like make them by hand and sell them in a Facebook group or on Facebook? Or did you just kind of go for it? No, I did not have proof of concept. And it was actually, I just knew that I wanted to try this. And my husband and I decided that we would put a certain number of personal dollars in as an investment. And when it was gone, it was gone. And if it worked, it worked. And if it didn't, it didn't. And I actually kept my idea pretty quiet because I thought it was such a good idea. And I was really afraid that somebody who was already up and running with all of the manufacturing avenues in place would beat me to the punch, which is silly because there's room in the market for everybody. And actually, between idea in February of 2017 and inventory in December of 2020, there have been several companies that have popped up, one of which I feel like may have somehow gotten their idea from maybe somebody that I crossed paths with because their their copy is so similar to the things I say in my elevator mm. pitch. But that's okay because that was my proof of concept. They're doing well. Well, that's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. And their item is not the same as mine. It's similar. The idea is similar, but there are some key differences which make mine highly preferable to me. And so I figure, okay, some clients are going to like theirs and some customers are going to like mine. It's okay. So there was a real push-pull between wanting to get proof of concept and wanting to keep my idea quiet into myself. So that was hard. Yeah, that's a really good point because the the longer you spend out there proving that your idea is a good one, the more you're giving people time to to steal it. The other thing is it's a it's a pretty technical garment and my sewing skills are not up to snuff. Like I made okay. my prototype and I put a picture of it on my blog because I blogged the entire, you know, if you want to get into the nitty gritty details of how I went from idea to product, I have it all laid out on my blog. I was embarrassed to put the picture of my prototype on here because I didn't even have a, I don't even have a serger. Well, I do now, but a serger, which is a machine specifically for sewing knits. So mm-hmm. I was zigzagging all the seams and stuff, but it was enough to take it to a pattern maker and okay. say, this is my idea. Then I grabbed a bunch of exemplars from my closet. Okay, this is what I want the waistband of the leggings to be like. I looked at 
all the, the contents labels of my coziest clothes to learn what kind of fabric I should look for. And it was just, I just kind of gradually did things. I felt my way through it, but I, I did follow Jane's kind of construct of how to go from concept to product. And there were a lot of hiccups along the way, but it happened. So let's take just kind of a, a very quick trip down, down the, um, course or the creation lane. So you have this prototype and you've taken this course. What do you do next? You take it to a pattern maker? Yep. So what I did was, and the fashion industry is strange. It's not like you can just, we're saying you can Google and you can definitely Google and find a class on how to do all this, but then you can't just Google and find a pattern maker and Google and find a factory because a lot of this stuff is really sort of word of mouth and it's not online yeah. and there are language barriers and it's really hard. So the, the next struggle was to find a pattern maker that would give me the time of date. Either somebody, either they were too well known and they were totally busy and they didn't want to give a small person a chance, which I totally understand. I'm not blaming them mm -hmm. at all. Or um, I, I communicated with one pattern maker that, that her emails showed such a lack of attention to detail. I was like, I can't. I just can't. I can't trust her with this. I mean, it, it, there's a lot of, it's like being, you know, a pattern maker is like an architect. The product is only as good as the plans, right? So the pattern has to be spot on. Well, I finally found one that would give me the time of day and it ended up being uh, one stop shops. They did technical drawings, which is, was our first step, which was to take my awful make you seasick drawings and turn them into proportionate technical drawings. And we went back and forth on those with revisions. Then once we were happy with the technical drawings, they made patterns of each of the pieces that I wanted. And then after that, they sewed samples from those patterns. And then I would go to the bare area, try them on, say, mm, the armhole needs to be smaller. There needs to be an inch more ease in the hips, this, that, and the other thing. And then once we got the patterns just right, then the patterns need to be graded into the sizes that you want to offer, which is up to you and something that you just decide and you use a grader for that. So let's pause there for a second because I love what you said about it's up to you. This is a really important thing for women to understand about clothes, regardless of who's making them. It is totally up to the designer what yes. sizes mean and what the size grade means. So Joanne's version of what a small versus a medium is, it could be completely different than totally. Jennifer's. So when you don't even, you can't even understand how many times people ask me like, what's up with sizing? I don't understand sizing. Yeah, nobody does. Cause it's literally, there's no like standard that, you know, it goes up by 10% or goes, nah. They're as different as the snowflakes are in the sky. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I basically said, this is my medium. Now I want to scale this down to extra small and I want to scale it up to extra, extra large. And then like, for instance, still, it's still kind of a weird thing because the, the pieces I came out with, there are two pieces pieces that I think they run one size small. So we're going to fix that in the next run. But one of the things I love is customer service. So I'll talk to my customers and say, okay, what's your body type like? What um, size you usually wear in this, that, or the other thing? And then I can guide them through, okay, I think this style would be better for you because there's more flowiness in the hips. I think this style would be better for you because it's better on a straight body or whatever. So, mm -hmm. and a lot of that is thanks to you because I've just learned so much more vocabulary and awareness around what things fit and why on different body types and what different things flatter. One of the other things I had a lot of fun designing was the necklines because neckline for me is a huge thing because huge. I have a really long torso. Yep. Yep. We just talked about this in the, our Dress Your Body Shape live class is that really neckline changes so much. I mean, it oh affects the way your shoulders look, your boobs look, your neck looks, mm -hmm. the length of your torso, whether you look, you know, um, 
longer on top, longer on bottom, like neckline. If, if you don't know your best neckline, figure that out. Figure that out. Like yeah, absolutely. So key. And I wanted to do all my stuff with raglan, raglan sleeve because yes. that looks the best on me. But I couldn't because my second layer shelf bra on the inside is connected at the arm seams oh. and the neckline all the way around. So that just didn't it wasn't right for Raglan. So I had to give up on that idea, but it's okay. What I came up with is super cute anyway, but it's just, it was such a process. And to me, the whole thing was fascinating. I love creativity, but I also love design and, um, I have a scientific side. So the stuff that has to be real exacting fascinates me too. So it was just so fun. I just love the thought that goes behind clothes. Like I'd really like to do a raglan sleeve, but it can't connect this way. And what does the, you know, what does this line do and what does changing this little thing do? I think it's just so interesting to get a, a behind the scenes perspective into how that goes into designing clothes. Oh my gosh. So fun. It kind of is random. There's so much that isn't. There's a lot that isn't random at all. Yeah. I have a couple of pieces like my maxi dress and my tunic have a little pleat that, and it's a deep scoop. So the neckline's not a V. It's not a crew. It's a deep scoop. I think it's a very universally flattering neckline. Not so low that you're showing cleavage, but you're still giving a little bit of a glimpse into the decolletage. But also there's just this little pleat. And what it does without making it look like a maternity garment it oh actually this the maxi has the pleat the the tunic has a fabric panel in the back that does it but it just gives this ease without making it look like you're trying to hide anything but it just gives you a little bit of grace for the biscuits you know and and also add, I mean it adds design interest it's like a win win I love it so much and it's really fun when customers comment on those little details that I feel like are such a slam dunk it's like yes. She noticed the detail at the neck. She loves it for the reasons that I put it there. And it is so fun. Like, oh, she gets it. Mm -hmm. She got it. Yay. (laughs) Love that. Okay. So you've got your samples. Then what? Yeah. Once you have your samples and you have your patterns graded into whatever size offerings that you want. And I, I was real, I wanted to go extra small all the way to three X through plus size as well. I decided that that was something I needed to pare down because my finances were not such that I could do that because Mm -hmm. I want to do plus sizes with a plus size pattern maker and adjust the patterns so that they're perfectly proportionate for the plus size sizes. So that's another bit of an investment. And I'm going to do that hopefully with the next line. That's exciting. That's very exciting. Yeah. So, okay. So you have your samples, then you have to Mm -hmm. find a factory and you have to find fabric. So you've probably already found your fabric because if you want to have your samples made in the fabric that you're going to end up using for your garments, you've already gone through the process of finding the right fabric, which I had done. So I had all my samples made in the fabrics that I was planning to use, which is a whole nother story because you have to find fabric that's still going to be available in six months, which you you can't walk into a Joanne fabric and pick out a cute print because you're never going to be able to get production volume of that print and you're not going to be able to get it in six months. So you have to find, you have to use the vendors that are going to have continuity is what, is what they call it with, with what they're offering. So I did that and I had, so I had my samples made. Then you have to find a factory that will, will be willing to manufacture your pieces with a minimum that you can afford. How did you decide on fabric? Because fabric will make or break, especially when you're talking about like cozy and comfy, mm-hmm. how on earth, like how did you know where to start or, and how did you land where you, where you ended up? I started in my closet. Okay. I picked out my five coziest pieces and I looked at the contents label and I said, okay, I am loving stuff that is rayon jersey with a little bit of spandex or micromodal 
And I don't love the feel as much of anything that has polyester in it. And, you know, this Ponty is going to, is a really nice stretchy knit with a lot of recovery, but it's a little stiffer mm-hmm. than I want it to feel. So I did like that. And so I, but I didn't have any pre previous knowledge in fabrics. I literally went into my closet and said, what do I like the feel of? Okay. What does it say on the contents label? And then when I went to these fabric vendors who I learned about from my class that I had taken, uh, one of the things that's so great about those classes is they'll say, Hey, these are the top five, you know, fabric vendors that are going to be really reliable for you and have really excellent, you know, fabric line. So I was not going to compromise on the quality of my fabric. I called them and I said, hi, I'm looking for something that's medium weight. I don't want it to be see-through because I'm going to make tops and, and dresses and leggings out of it. I want it to be super cozy to feel. This is the contents of the items in my closet that I really like. I don't want it to pill. I don't want it to fade, you know, and then they send you samples. They send you little swatches and you can feel them and you can look at them and you can hold them up to the light and see if they're see-through and One of the things that was really frustrating is that the fabric that feels the best is a little too thin Mm -hmm. to make a dress out of or a gown out of. But actually, it's funny. If you look at my website, so many of my customers that have written reviews use the word butter to describe the fabric. So I was like, yeah, I think I nailed it on the fabric. (laughs) Oh, for sure. For sure. It is. It it feels so good. And it's really holding up in washing and wearing, too. I have a customer who just posted on her Facebook page that she's literally worn them almost every day since she got them. And she has an adorable picture. She's in her tunic and her leggings and some work boots and she's out in her backyard and they, she looks completely adorable. She says, I, I, I've washed them so many times and worn them and they're wonderful still. So can I just say how much I love that? Because often I will find myself like, let's be honest, I'm going outside to fill a bird feeder, but I'm still in my pajamas. (laughs) I need a street legal pajama as you call them. Exactly. Oh my gosh. I'm just fancy enough for the front yard and free enough for sleep. (laughs) Yes. And the backyard. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. half of my yard is completely private. um, And then half of my yard, like I could, I can see what my neighbors are watching on TV. So like, avert your eyes. I'm coming through. I, you know what? I'm actually like, yeah, this is me. Take it or leave it. Yeah. I don't know their names, so I don't care, you know? Right. And I'm pretty sure they have no idea what I do. So, you know, I'm not losing any street cred there. But I love, I love that you, she can go out in her street legal jammies and her work boots and um, feel good and, you know, be, be productive. I love that. I love that. Okay. I want to. I want you to be able to climb out of bed and take your kids to school. And should the preschool teacher want to talk to you, and God forbid you have to get out of your car in your pajamas, you don't. Nobody will know except you. This is the goal. Did we talk <laughs> on your podcast? Maybe we didn't about the day that I had to use my baby as a human shield because my older daughter dropped her off at school, <laughs> and um, she told me I didn't have to come in. She was doing like running club or something early in the morning. She said, "No, you don't have to come in. You don't have to come in." Mm-hmm. So I literally, I was like in my jammies, no bra. And, um, got there and they needed like a release signed. (laughs) So I had to use my, my infant as a human shield the whole time. Like (laughs) you're like, do not move. (laughs) Your product solves that. Love that. Yes, exactly. Thank you. (laughs) All right. So now we have the perfect fabric and now we find a factory that will, that will cut with minimums, with yeah, really small so, minimums, I would imagine. Exactly. And what I had to do is when I had my samples and my fabric all picked out, but the fabric not purchased, I was out of money. So what I did then is I, I did a Kickstarter campaign, mm. which is where you show what you're selling and people make pre-orders and they pay the money up front for the pre-orders. And then yep. I took that money, which I 
had at the end of my successful Kickstarter campaign, which was a nail biter, by the way, it wasn't like a blowout like some of these are. I wanted to make 15,000 and I think I ended up with 17,000, which was enough for me to buy my fabric and make each of the six pieces I wanted to make at the minimum the factory would make and I and I could still afford it. So, you know, some factories will say, great, we will make these for you $10 per piece, but your minimum is a thousand pieces for each. And I'm like, I can't. I don't have, I can't do it. So um, right. I made a much smaller batches and I was able to find a factory in the Bay Area who would do that for me. And I love them. They're actually right now manufacturing a second batch for us. But we did have our ups and downs and our bumps in the road. But now I think we have all of our stuff ironed out. But yeah, so you take them and then they oftentimes will want to see your pattern and then they'll want to make a factory sample so that they can see that they are manufacturing the items to your specifications. They don't just take your samples and start manufacturing. Then the other thing you want to probably do is take your graded patterns and make an extra small sample and an extra, extra large sample or whatever your size range is so that you can make sure the grading makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then you find somebody in your life or, you know, pros use fit models, but I I'm, I was my own fit model and you know, here's my daughter and my niece and we're all doing this. And um, yeah, so then you make sure that not only was your grading the way you wanted it to be, but that the factory can produce the items the way you want them to end up looking. And then I had to buy bra cups and elastic and fabric and get them all to the factory and then have the factory start manufacturing. So... All right. So we're going to skip ahead a little bit because we're going to come back to your factory experience (laughs) in in just a few minutes. But so then you get your stuff back to back from the factory in a very, very timely fashion, I'm sure. Uh, (laughs) Spoiler alert. No. And then what? Did you have a marketing plan in place? Were you trying to go into retail? Were you just doing direct? What what was your plan? Yeah, my vision was to sell from my own website and sell deal directly with consumers myself. I knew I didn't want to go wholesale because my items are expensive to make. And so Uh, when you're pricing your items, you you basically want to price there are formulas for pricing. And if you if you go from wholesale to retail, they're gonna double the price again from what they paid you for it. And my my items were just not gonna hold up to that kind of price point. So I knew I needed to sell them myself, but I wanted to anyway because I think it's so much fun and I wanted to have contact with my customers and I wanted it to be kind of exclusive small batches. When they're gone, they're gone. I do a collection here and then those are gone and then the next collection improves upon the last and we have these fun new prints and new you know, all the same, I you know, um, checkpoints that make the make the garments garments shelfies, but with you know new fun, exciting details and stuff. So um, I, but the important thing I think that I learned from Jane Hamill was that you have when you have something to sell, you already have to have someone to tell. And like you said, I'm not yeah. a celebrity with a following. I had nothing, nothing, and I hated writing in school, but I did a few things. I started a blog because Jane told me I had to. And I ended up really <laughs> loving it because okay. I was, yeah, I wrote about all kinds of things. I mean, the the point was to track the progress of Shelfie Shop, but because there was so much waiting in between, I ended up wanting to write about all this other stuff. I wrote this this article called 13 Things Good Doctors Wish Their Patients Knew, and it went kind of mini viral, and that was super fun. I ended up being hired by AARP to write an article for them, and I oh, got wow. paid for it. Yeah, so I was able to add that to my shelfy shop budget. And then when I got stuck in a dress at Dillard's and realized that I wasn't the only one that that had ever happened to, I decided I wanted a forum where people could tell these stories and we could all share them. So then I started my podcast, so that was kind of a branch off of my 
blog and I had been collecting emails the entire time. So, hey, if you want to be on my mailing list, if you're interested to hear what's happening with Shelfie Shop, sign up here. I promise I won't spam you. You maybe get an email a couple times a year from me or whatever, but I'll let you know what's going on. So I'd been collecting an email list. I also ran some contests during the Kickstarter campaign to help, you know, so that it was like you could get entered into the contest by signing up with your email. But then if you share it with people, you get more points towards being a winner. And so that was one of the promotional things that I did. I didn't do anything that cost much money at all. I did a couple of Facebook ads. I wouldn't really recommend that necessarily. I don't think I saw a return on that. I mean, eventually I might do Facebook ads again, but at that point, I don't really think I saw much return on my investment. I did join Facebook groups, though, and because I'm a family physician, I joined some female physician groups. I just, you know, just joined some group. I joined a backyard chicken group because I have backyard chickens, <laughs> and um, so and then you get to know people in these groups, and they get to be you get to be fond of each other. You really, you're, you know, you're sharing actual valuable sort of content and advice, and then when you have something to tell people about that you're excited about, they're excited for you too, and they share. So a lot of my orders have come from female physicians. A lot of them were Kickstarter backers, and then they were excited about it and shared it. So I I would say that content marketing is mainly how I did my marketing. I gathered customers through my blog and through my podcast. And then I actually, one of the things I didn't realize was going to happen is I met people like you. So I have some people who actually do have a larger following who love my jammies and are willing to share it because they literally love it. And I had interviewed them on the podcast. And then I said, hey, I have these jammies. Can I send you a free pair? And no pressure. Like if you don't like it, fine. But if you do like it, maybe you could tell your following about it as a great find. And so I would say it was more sort of just keeping my ear to the ground as to what I thought might work, but mostly just sort of natural and organic. That is fantastic. And, you know, not everybody has a huge marketing budget. As a matter of fact, most businesses don't. I will also agree. Facebook ads, unless you have somebody doing them for you, um, they're tough. They are really, really, really tough. So I love the organic approach that that you took with that. So your line is now out. And we started talking about this last, it was March last year that we were talking about it, but now your line is out. I assume it's your spring summer line. Is that right? Yeah, it's a crack up. It's my spring summer 2018 line that's now finally available in the winter of 2021. (laughs) Oh my gosh. If that's just not like a metaphor for life, right? All the grand plans. (laughs) So let's talk about what happened last last February, March. Uh, Because when I was on your podcast, I immediately was like, oh my gosh, girl, you have to come on mine and talk about how to start a clothing line. You're like, I can't, I can't talk about it right now. I just can't. And it was a little bit of a dark time. Um, (laughs) It was. It was. What happened? Yeah. Okay. So I thought it, I, I look back on my 2017 self and think it's so cute that I named that line spring summer 2018. And then the reason I went to DG Expo was to find fabric for my 2018 fall winter line. I just okay. I'm like, <laughs> that's so just cute, like Joanne. Kick in the can, kick in the can down the road. Yeah, hilarious. Yeah. But so several things happened. First, my first factory that I had contracted with dropped me because they lost a couple of employees so they were no longer able to produce for me. And there weren't that many factories that I could afford. So I had to scramble to find another factory. The next thing that happened is I ordered fabric and the fabric that was supposed to be 
totally available at, for quantities I'd already checked into. All of a sudden, they were ordering yarn and milling the fabric, and I had to buy four times as much as I had planned to buy. And I think that was a like an honest miscommunication. I love this company where I get the fabric. So I, then I had a million yards of that on hand. And then there was a problem with a pattern piece, and I had to have the pattern maker finally go down to the factory and figure that out. But every delay is, is weeks and months. Then um, I ended up bringing on a consultant, mm-hmm. which was wonderful. She charges by the hour. She's somebody else I met at DG Expo. She's a manufacturing guru. I took many in-person classes from her. Actually, when I lived in Reno, I would drive over to the Bay Area for the day to take classes from this woman. She ended up being my liaison between the factory and me, which it was uh, amazing. But it's still, there's still, there were so many other delays. There was, um, then the factory owner was hospitalized and then he had a very prolonged recovery. And these are small mm-hmm. factories. He's one of the main sewers in his own factory. Then there was Chinese New Year where they closed for a month. And I'm actually running up against that again now this year because my label um, factory is closed for a month for Chinese New Year. And so, so, it was like January of 2020 when the factory owner was ill, correct? And then kind of ran into February of 2020 with Chinese New Year? Yeah, totally. Right. Yeah. Then they ran out of gray fabric, which I don't know how that happened, but there there was no more of that available. So I had to find an alternative. Then they decided that they weren't happy with the way they were sewing on the pockets, and that took some engineering. So, And then the factory closed for COVID in March of 2020. Yep. And that's really, Yeah. And they were one of the first because we probably recorded, I think, early March of 2020 for your show. And not everything was closed yet, but they were in, they're in the Bay Area. And San Francisco was one of the first areas really in the country, kind of that Northeast corner to start closing, closing things down. Yeah, absolutely. They March yeah. 21st they closed down for COVID and then and they were working on reopening on June 12th. I happen to have the the dates written down. And then the 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 factory owner's father passed away, which is very sad and he of course had to do things because of that. And then there were rolling brownouts in the area and then there was a cutting area and they needed more bra pads and it was like, "Oh my gosh, this is never oh going to happen." Goodness. This year, I mean <laughs> I I will tell you, sometimes I think about you because I, I talk to a lot of people and everyone kind of has a, like a how COVID affected my life story, you know? And for me, like, okay, people stop shopping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when people stop shopping, I become a little obsolete. Um, but everyone has a story. <sighs> but I think about you and like being- And you didn't, weren't able to have your- Oh, I know. Joanne's talking about my Mall of America retreat that um, was planned for April of 2020. Mm -hmm. Clearly didn't happen. And then we kicked it to April 2021. And we've actually just made the decision to kick it to April of 2022 because we want everybody to feel comfortable traveling and being like in the biggest mall in the country. Mm -hmm. And um, I will be hugging people. So people need to be comfortable with that. Uh, you know, I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not going to elbow bump anyone. So <laughs> until we cannot elbow bump, we're, we're just not going to do it friends. But anyway, yeah. So if you're interested in come you to that, call, to just yep. email me because we, we've got some spots open, but anyway, your story, like being so close and you were, you, they were cutting, mm-hmm. they stopped when they were cutting, right? Is that what I remember? Yeah. That's right. They were cutting the clothes. And then, and this whole time I'm updating my Kickstarter backers, like you guys were so close. You guys were so close. Oh my gosh, we're so close. This has happened. Now this has happened. And I couldn't believe how generous and amazing they were. I got one nasty comment 
And you know what? That that was really something that gave me an opportunity to look at the truth of what the nasty comment contained because there was some truth in it. And to be grateful it hadn't happened earlier and to just wear my big girl panties and to be diplomatic and to respond and to say, I understand your concerns. This is where I am. I'm doing my very best and I'm you know grateful that so many people are hanging on. So, you know, even when something like that is a huge gut punch, punch or hurts your feelings, once you kind of can back away from it a little bit, you can usually learn something from. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, and the one thing I will have to say about this last year is it just is what it is. You know, I, what can you do? I've been able to let go of a lot of like stress and angst and anxiety because literally what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You can't, Mm -hmm. I can't change a mask mandate. I can't change, you know, I can't make people go back into their offices and I can't make restaurants open. So people need to close for date night, you know, like those are (laughs) just things that are beyond my control. Um, so yeah, you just kind of, you have to just put that on the back burner, but just to be so close, to be so close to this thing that you'd worked on for mm. years and then be like, and now another thing. Oh, and it's a global pandemic. Awesome. You know, and have no idea like when things oh, yeah. would reopen. I'm actually kind of impressed that they got cutting again in June though. Yeah, it was actually very good. Once they reopened, they were, they hit the ground running and they put my stuff on the front burner and they got it done. And I'll tell you, the quality is unmatched. I mean, no loose threads, everything beautiful, all the, I mean, just, oh, I, I was thrilled. So I'm like, okay, now they know how to do it. Now yeah. I was going to kind of hightail it and run away from this factory. But in the end, I'm like, oh my gosh, no, they, now they know how to, you know, now they've, let's not reinvent the wheel. Now they know exactly how to make my styles and they, we know how to communicate with each other. Let's do this again. Because I had to, you know, and the whole time I was paring down my order. I pared it down so much because I was like, okay, I think money's running out. This is really awful. So I ended up just almost producing just enough to fulfill my Kickstarter orders. And I was like, if I don't have inventory to sell, this thing stops here. Yeah. It's, it was really discouraging, but I was able to, I was able to make enough additional inventory and I have sold enough in- additional inventory to order another batch of spring summer from this factory. Oh, that's great. And I've hired a, pa- yeah. And I've hired a pattern maker to alter the patterns for a cool weather line, which I'm super excited about because you know, if the, co- if the fabrics were cozy for spring, summer, they're going to be amazingly cozy for fall, winter. I love Yes. It. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Super yes. excited. That's really exciting. So tell us all about Shelfie Shop. Shelfie Shop is, it's spelled S-H-E-L-F-I-E-S-H-O-P-P-E, not because I'm fancy, but because shop with just the plain P was taken when I went to get my URL. (laughs) Oh, the things we do, right? Like your everyday style. Exactly. Because whenever I go to look you up, I type in everyday style and I end up on that other website and I'm like, wait, wait, and then I have to Google it. So if you've done that, yes, if people have done that, what they find is that it is a home decor company that's been defunct for many, many years and they won't give up their website. Yeah, it looks like a it looks like a web page from the 90s or something. Well, that's when they closed. Yeah. And I'm like, this is not Jen. Yeah. So anyway, so it's Shelfie Shop PPE. And on Shelfie Shop, you can see the six pieces that I offer. I have uh, for spring, summer 2021, I have a sleeveless tunic, which covers the butt. All of the tops and dresses have the wonderful second layer shelf bra. I have a short sleeved kangaroo tee, um, kangaroo pocket tee, shorts, crop leggings, and 
a short sleeved above the knee dress as well as a racer back maxi dress that's floor length ish and also um you know somewhat adjustable so those are the six pieces and they're going to be morphed into cool weather pieces very soon and the also the the print fabrics that I was able to find are super fun so those will change every season but the the con- the construction w- will only get better and better. So I'm on your website right now, and the patterns are so cute. They're just adorable. And yeah. I love the the fabric Thank combinations. You. And yes, that big kangaroo pocket for a phone. Oh my gosh, that's life right there. That is life. And there's an inner pocket. So not only is there a kangaroo pocket, but if you want your phone to just sit tight, there's an inner pocket. And the maxi dress has a pocket on the hip and it has an inner pocket for your phone too. So when I, it was so fun when I was filming my video for the the Kickstarter, my model, who's a girlfriend of mine, she, I said, put your phone in your pocket and let's do a little bit of um, footage of that. And then she was, you know, sitting on the couch and we're doing this and that. And then she's like, wait, where's my phone? And I was like, what's in your pocket? And she goes, Joanne. I didn't, I couldn't even feel it in there. That is a really oh, wow. well nice pocket. And I was like, yes, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So, cause not only some garments have a pocket that will, um, fit your phone, but then when you bend or squat or lean, you're like being stabbed yeah. by your phone. Or you know, it'll it fall not out. only has yeah. to be secure, it has to be secure and comfortably placed. So those are, those are like perfectly engineered by Moa, who always has to have her phone on her person. You know, yeah. I think <laughs> things designed by people who need them are the best things ever. Right. I mean, yes. when you come from a place of this is exactly what I want for me, you know that there are hundreds of thousands of other women who are like, dang it, I need a place to put my phone when I'm vacuuming the stairs or, you know, filling a bird feeder or whatever. Like you need those things. Totally. Carrying a basket of laundry from the laundry room up to upstairs. And I want to listen to a podcast while I'm doing that. I don't do <laughs> No. So you've you've changed so many small details in my life for the better um, just by what you do. But one of the things that recently is very tangible is we've changed our laundry routine. I've never been this caught up on laundry. Thank you so much. Tell me what you're doing. Well, every other week, I we all have kind of a lot of clothes. So we don't have to do laundry like every five days or anything. Mm-hmm. But I do, do darks one week and I do lights one week. And one day I do stuff that Love can it. go in the dryer. The next day I do stuff that, that has to hang to dry. Then the third day I fluff the stuff that I hung to dry because I'm kind of a laundry Nazi and I do all kinds of weird stuff because I want my, my clothes to not wear out. I want them to be soft and cozy and I want them to look good, but I don't want to iron them. Yeah. So then um, we fold it all and put it away. My girls are doing their own laundry and I clear out of the laundry room on the weekends so that they can do it. And then um, I do sheets and towels every other week. And then the week I'm not doing sheets and towels, I I take out the trash from the entire household. So it is just... It's And I put it on my planner, which I didn't think I needed a planner once I wasn't working outside the home, but I need one now more than ever because I'm running a podcast. I'm running a clothing line. I have teenagers. I am being a dental assistant. I'm doing all the, I've got chickens that I want to keep alive. You know, there are all these things. And so I just write them on my planner and then it happens. And, but it's not just that you need a planner, but you need a plan. (laughs) Like you can't just have a planner. Yes. Yes. No, someone, someone posted on Facebook, like, a planner is kind of like a hammer, right? Like you can have one, but it's not going to build your house. (laughs) You know, your planner is not going to make you successful. But I find with everybody being home all the time, and my girls just went back to school. Today's actually the first day that both of them are out of the house, which is, but I know it's amazing. But I find with all the days sort of running into each other, I really needed to write things down because, you, you know, when, when every day is the same, you're like, I'll just do it tomorrow, whatever. There's no natural structure. So I 
I actually got a little bit more militant about putting structure in and uh, it's, it's the reason that my house is actually cleaner than ever and my laundry is caught up and all that, oh all gosh. that good stuff. So it's amazing. I'm glad that a, I'm glad that a laundry schedule is working for you ladies. If you're like, what the heck go listen to my laundry episode. Apparently so good. It will change your life. So good. My clo- I mean, and not my closet, so many things, so many things have changed in my, in my house, in my life because of Jen, but that is one just like tiny, tangible, happy daily, daily joy thing. I love that. Okay, so let's get back to your clothes because that's what we're here for today. <laughs> Tell me about the bras. Are these for girls with little girls or girls with big girls or <laughs> girls with all in-between girls? Yeah. So the I have had one customer that said I didn't fill it out and my hips are, are wider and so I just don't think your things are going to work for me. She had a kangaroo pocket tee. I said, let's size down and let's go to the tunic that has more ease in the hips and she is in love. So the great thing about the shelf bra is that the fabric is the same as the outer part of the garment. And then it has plush elastic around the rib cage. The cups are stretchy and there's some support between the cups. So it's a perfect combination of stretch and cozy, but also structure. And so as long as you have if your girls are con- convex, you know, it, I think I can find a shelfie that will work for you. And all the way up to we have some super well-endowed customers who are loving it. And the thing is that the shelf bra is going to fit them differently, but somehow it works. It's so amazing. I mean, I, and I, you know, they're not for every single body type on the planet, but they are pretty universal. One of the decisions I had to make was, okay, what size cups do you put in each size? So I actually do have a sizing chart on my website that shows you what cup size is there, but it's very loose. When I'm all the way at my thinnest, I wear a B. Right now I'm wearing a D. Um, I have a girlfriend who wears an E. And, you know, basically what we're doing is we're just choosing the garment size that would work for you. And it's working for the, it's working for the tatas as well. So the girls, or the, the, the girls, the girls as well. Yeah. That's amazing. That's really amazing. Well, you know, and people have to understand that bra cup sizing is all over the place as well. Like a 34B and a 38B are not the same cup size. Oh, totally. Yeah. So it's not just there. This, the medium doesn't just have a B cup. It has a 36B cup. I don't even remember exactly what it is, but, and that the dimensions of that are completely different. All the B cups are different depending on what the, um, the band size is, is going to be. And ladies, if you're like, what are they talking about? Go listen to episode one of All About Bras um, on my on my podcast. And we explain sister sizing, which is a concept every woman should know when it comes to her brassiers. It will clear the muddy skies if you haven't learned this before. <laughs> so I have to say, I think this is brilliant. I have gotten into my, or my kids have gotten to the age where, you know, they have sleepovers and I just don't, I don't want to be like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the mom just out here. A little too fancy free, you know. I like to be, um, uh-huh, yeah, <laughs> reined in a little. I had a customer. I had a customer who wrote, "The UPS guy doesn't want to see my floppers." Yeah, <laughs> that was, that was I so have funny. never heard that description before, but you know, amen, amen. <laughs> I mean, you don't want to be winking. You don't want to show your headlights to your no, son's you friends who come over. No, you it's, don't. It's no, you not don't. okay. No, I like to have a little support. I like to have coverage, but also like, you know, the girls could be here hanging out till noon. I don't want to get dressed at eight o'clock in the morning on a Saturday and make breakfast. Like that's not, you know, I want to go to my jammies. So I love that. Yeah. Or you don't want to wait until 10 o'clock at night when your kids' friends leave to take your your underwire bra off. No, you want to be comfortable and presentable. Yeah, for sure. And if you ever have to get out of the car, you you want not to have to use your infant as a human shield to protect everyone. (laughs) 
<laughs> Seriously, that I don't know how if that one didn't make the stories on your podcast, I don't know how because that was really that was something. It's because you have such a rich depth of stories to go to choose from, I think, which makes me love you. Here's the thing. You seem very together, but you still had all these stories, which is the whole point, you know? <laughs> I so not together. And I, or maybe I just really embrace the embarrassing things. I'm a hot mess on wheels and it's okay no. because nobody likes, no, they don't. nobody likes a perfect person because nobody can relate, you know? They don't at all like a perfect person. So mm-hmm. it's really a service that I provide people. <laughs> all these dumb things I do, they're all for you guys. I do it for you. Yes. Thank you very much. All right. I know. I know. So Joanne, the last question I like to ask all of my guests is what is one thing you'd like our listeners to take away from our conversation today? Either a big thought or a little tip could be anything. Yes. I I think my biggest two things that I want to tell you is if you have an idea that keeps waking you up with vigor in the morning, figure out how to make it happen in some capacity, because that is the idea that you need to to see through. If you have found a problem in your life that you've figured out how to solve and you want to try to solve that for other people, go for it. It's definitely so exciting. It's so invigorating. And the second thing is don't give up when there are bumps in the road because number one, you can learn from the bumps in the road. Number two, I promise, like if you thought you had a clothing line coming out in 2018 and you don't have inventory until 2021, that is discouraging. But I did a lot of other wonderful things during that time and there may even be my clothing line may even be better for those delays. So, um, and remember uniquely what makes you, you, and don't neglect it because that is something that I think will bring joy to your life from, from an internal perspective. And I think a lot of us moms end up sort of forgetting what makes us uniquely us and what we love beyond taking care of our families. And if you can tap back into those things, then your life will be the richer for it. That is such good stuff. Okay, Joanne, tell everyone where they can find you on the internet. Okay, you can find me at shelfyshop.com. That's S-H-E-L-F-I-E-S-H-O-P-P-E.com. You can find my podcast at fancyfreepodcast.com. And from there, you can link into all of my way too many social media accounts that I'm having a hard time keeping up with. (laughs) Right. And can people uh, find your blog? Through. Oh, yeah. The blog is at Cozy Clothes Blog, C-O-Z-Y-C-L-O-T-H-E-S blog.com. And some of that content I'll be transferring over to the Shelfy Shop site, but I haven't done that yet. And I wanted to offer your listeners too, if you want to buy some Shelfies for yourself and you would like free shipping, use the discount code every day and you will not pay shipping for your items. Ooh, love that. Thank you. We are going to put all of those links in the show notes to the blog, to the shop, and to the podcast. And everyone should be listening to your podcast because it's just a, it's a good fun laugh and everyone will realize that they can be as imperfect as I am too. (laughs) Nobody is as fancy as they look. And that is just the reality of it. (laughs) Exactly. Joanne, thank you for being on the show and sharing your story and maybe being the kick in the pants that someone out there needs to start her own line or go after that big dream. So thank you for that. You are so welcome, Jen. And you can contact me through either one of my websites. And if you want to ask me more specifics about how to do it or just have some encouragement from going from a know nothing to having a clothing line available, I would love to talk to you. So definitely reach out. That is so kind. That is a huge gift, ladies. Take advantage of it if if that resonates with you. Okay. Have a stylish week, my friends. Go listen to my interview on Joanne's Fancy Free Podcast, and I will see you next time. Hey, friend. Thanks for listening to the show. 
Don't forget to head over to the website for any links, downloads, or resources we talked about during the episode. Go to youreverydaystyle.com slash podcast and find the episode you're looking for. While you're there, make sure you sign up for our email list. You'll get a weekly style tip as well as links to my favorite product of the week to help make style even easier. It's an email you'll actually look forward to getting, so don't miss out. We'll see you next time. And until then, stay stylish.